0: I have the opportunity to share the word with you tonight and uh, you see the title of my message weary and worn out. How many of you feel that way? <laughs> oh my. Uh, I felt that way for how many months has it been? About eight months? <laughs> Seven months? Weary and worn out. There's um, I don't. I've never felt this way in my life before. I, I'm physically uh, fit, however, I've never felt more tired, and mentally, just it's it's almost like your uh, your brain's been working overtime, and and I don't know uh, if it's just what the the nation and what the world is going through right now or if it's you know from all the hands I saw raised up it seems like it's more than me uh, so it, it got me thinking about some times in the scripture where people were weary and worn out so let's start with Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 through 10 it says do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And here's the verse I want us to hold on to tonight. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith Charlie didn't know what I was preaching But he mentioned it in his message for us to no matter what happens. We still need to love our neighbor We still need to love those around us. God's called us to love them even when we're tired sometimes when you're doing something good, it seems like everything goes wrong you stop and help someone along the side of the road and to change their tire, and it turns into a whole big thing. Uh, you go over to your son's house to help him, and and it's supposed to be just a few hour job, turns into the whole day. Uh, but that's sort of the way things go. You, it's almost like the enemy. When when we go to do something good, he like wants to put a little monkey wrench in there to get us to feel like, what's the purpose? Or maybe you, you do something good, you help someone out, and they don't even say thank you. Or at least not the way you thought they should. Uh, those Those things should not keep us from doing good. They shouldn't keep us from reaching out and helping. If you thought about the parable that Jesus told about the Samaritan... That stopped to help the the traveler who was robbed and beaten almost to death. Uh, you know, the priest walked by and the uh, the religious person walked by, but the Samaritan stopped and helped. The one that you know wasn't really supposed to. It wasn't his his job, so to speak. But he's the one that stepped out and and really helped. The Bible says when we've done it to the least of these, we've done it to him. In other words, if, if you're doing something good so they will thank you and pat you on the back, then you have your reward. But we do it because we love Jesus. We do it out of uh, just the love of Jesus in our heart that we pour to others. So, we can't get tired of doing the right thing. Sometimes when we, uh, I don't. When I'm doing something and I get tired, my work gets a little sloppy. Or when I would be playing uh, ball, and I near near the end of the game, or if I've run a good distance, which isn't much anymore. Josh is here. I got to watch what I say. you're not, you're not as fresh as you were at the beginning of the game, so you may not be able to, to score that run or to catch that ball, and you're ju- it's just out of your reach because your energy's exhausted. And many times, we're so worn out by the end of the day when our neighbor needs something, we're like, oh. or if you have grandkids or great-grandkids, uh, I don't know what it is about grandkids, you get that extra little boost of energy to help them out now when I was a, a father I would say Lori I think it's your turn to get up with the kids of course I never got up with them she would say all right I want to look at a couple of different people that made poor decisions when they were tired Genesis 25 32 it says and Esau said look uh, I'm about to die, so what is a birthright to me? Uh, you, you have the scripture up there. Um, Esau was tired and weary and sold his birthright. He came in from the field, worn out, and he, it said he was so hungry, he made a monumental mistake that changed the course of his life and, and all of Israel. Because he was tired, made a decision when he was tired. And he, it, it, the thing about, uh, though, we should never make a, an eternal decision based on a physical issue that we're facing. Some people give up God when they're facing something physical. Something bad happens to us. And we just throw God, throw God out. God, you weren't there. You didn't help me. And God, why didn't you uh, heal this person? Why didn't you touch me? You you healed this one. Why not me? And we just cast God aside because we're weary and we're tired. That's not our God. God is not. God doesn't hover over us to make sure everything in our life is right. God has a plan that we're just a part of. In other words, we're not the center of the universe. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't make it um, okay to... I'm not saying that we all have to suffer and we're all going to go through bad things. That's not what I'm saying. And that God doesn't move and, and touch and help us through But we've got to keep perspective on who God is. In Psalm 34, it says, Magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name together. In other words, you know, uh, magnify. Let's, Let's magnify God, and that makes me smaller. When you turn that magnifying glass around, things are smaller on the other side. So when we magnify God, our problems can be very small. Sometimes we wonder why people make such horrible mistakes and fall into the consequences of sin. We say how could they do that? How could they just walk away from it all? It could be they were worn out and they made a poor decision in that time and I'm not I'm not justifying that decision at all. I'm just saying we make we can make bad decisions if we're not rooted and grounded in God. Some people, they take, they will ex- will put eternity aside for momentary pleasure. They will make a horrible mistake in their life for a momentary feeling. And you... And those of us that have a little grayer hair than others, we say, well, how could you do that? But choices, poor choices are made. The second one, and I don't want to take too long on this because this is just the lead up to my message, all right? You've heard of this gentleman. His name is Samson. In Judges chapter 16, verse 16, says, And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words. You know Samson, he had the long hair, and here's Delilah. And uh, she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. That he told her all his heart, and he said to her, "'No razor has ever come upon my head, "'for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. "'If I am shaven, then my strength will leave.'" And I shall become weak and like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, then she called. She shaved his head. I, I, that story and about Samson, I scratch my head all the time. One, why would he do that? She tricked him, or she continued to ask, and he would give her wrong answers you know like if you bind me with brand new ropes if you do this if you do that if you take a a weaver's rod and you know he he made up all these things and every time she would do that and he would break free for me the light would come on i think she wants me to give up the secret to my strength (laughs) but he was so blinded by her that he And she wore him down to the point where, all right, I'll just tell you the the consequences we, we know about his life. So being tired and worn out, to me, is not an excuse for doing the right thing. For those of you that build things and um, maybe you do a little construction or whatever, when you're... When you're working, you cannot cut corners. You can't decide, okay, if, if you're digging a post in the ground and you hit a rock or you hit an obstacle, you can't just move the post. It needs to be right where it's supposed to be. Or when you go to finish the, the project, you're going to have a bad angle. You're going Things will not fit properly, and you have to take care of it. You have to make those des- proper decisions. You can't just let it go. When, when we're walking with God, we have to do the right thing no matter what is going on. So are you tired of political commercials? <laughs> I'm tired of social unrest. I'm tired of masks. I'm tired of COVID-19. Uh, I'm tired of staycations. Now I'm leaving uh, next week my son Nathan I'm going up to see him I have to go by myself because my wife's school is not taking a fall break so it's a and I had to get COVID tested just to travel so I'm, I'm, we're good to go but I didn't I didn't care for that <laughs> but So many times we, because of what we're going through, we're just, we're just tired. We're weary. We're weary with just, we want things, uh, you know, Pastor Hilton preached on this a few weeks back, things that go back to normal, which we don't think they ever will go back to the fully normal. But man, it, just just a glimpse of it would be great, right? So I want to go to John chapter 4. And I want to look at what the decisions and the things that Jesus faced when he was tired. I don't know if you realize that he, he was tired. John chapter 4 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard, had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, his disciples were, he left Judah and went away again t- into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he said, uh, so he came to a city of Samaria Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That should bring a little consolation Jesus was tired. He, he was fully God and also fully man, which means he could experience uh, fatigue. The Bible says he, he you know, we, we read in the Bible where he was in the boat asleep, right? And the storm was raging and the disciples were like, why are you doing sleeping? So he needed his rest as well. But there's a few things I want to point out at at the beginning here. Jesus, they started spreading rumors about his ministry. First verse, the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. In other words, uh, They were spreading rumors that Jesus was trying to exalt himself over John. John the Baptist, we're referring to. Just trying to stir up trouble. It wasn't a contest who could baptize more people. And then the author of this book, John, said, uh, the disciple John said, Jesus wasn't even doing the baptizing, we were, the disciples were. So all that the enemy tries to do as we're tired is stir things up. Did you hear what so-and-so said about this? Did you hear about this? And we we, we want to hear, right? Uh, but have, I'm sure that many of us have had people say something about us that just wasn't the the exact truth. Or maybe it was taken out of context or something we said was was not what we meant but what did Jesus do he kept on going there're times when if if things are being said you just got to keep doing what what you feel is right there was a time in uh, my ministry that there was an accusation made that I was given favoritism all right it wasn't here <laughs> but and there was nothing i could do about that i i was in in a position in ministry and they were saying oh you were showed favoritism because of your father well if i was i was if i was you know how can i prove i wasn't and What I had to do was just prove to the folks that were saying this that I wasn't in it for me. I wasn't in it to gain anything. I was in it because I've called. Not because of somebody offered me favor. And I'm sure that that happens in many ways in businesses and jobs you're in. That, well, And I taught school for many years and kids would talk about other kids saying, you just got an A because you're the teacher's pet. Let me tell you, as a teacher, we don't have teacher's pets. We have kids that really like to learn, and they work hard, and they earn good grades. If you want to call them a teacher's pet, they're they're the teacher's pet because they, they act right and they do their work. And not that we favor them over the other. All right, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> that teacher's coming out at me. But move on. Keep going for God. If you're doing what's right, then... Right will always trump lies, will always overstep and and rise above the lies that are said. The second thing I want you to look at says that he must go through Samaria. Now, I heard a preacher say Samaria is just another word for some area, S-O-M-E-A-R-E-A. There are times that you and I have to go through some area of our life that we don't want to go through. We have to go through some event or some problem, some difficulty that we've got to face head on. We can't go around it. You know, the Jews back in this day, they did not like the Samaritans. They, were, uh, they weren't fully Jew. So they would walk extra around Samaria so they wouldn't have to step foot in their area. But Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. You and I sometimes have to go through some area of our life. How we choose to walk through that is is going to determine how our victory is going to be. Because if we walk through begrudgingly, if we walk through that area fussing at God the whole time, we're not going to we're not going to be blessed but if we walk through said lord i don't know why i am here have you ever asked god that question lord why am i here i was uh in a season of my life i didn't know what god was going to do i would have i had a little mp3 player that tells you how long ago it was um uh, and I plugged it in and i'm listening to music and um uh, there was a song lord or a song about the lord saying god give me a word let me know what you want me to do and i'm like yeah lord that's what I'm. and what i heard the spirit of the lord speak to me just said keep walking keep walking where you are keep going cuz i wanted i wanted the destination to be right there in front of me but god wanted me to take the next step that i had cuz he had my steps ordered and I, as I look back, I can see how he was guiding and directing. Because if I would have done my own thing, I would have been way away from the will of God. I would have been out of his favor. I would have been, uh, it would have been a train wreck for me and my family if I hadn't just been obedient to take the next step. We don't always understand why we're, we are where we are. If God didn't call me to understand why, why he wants me to take the next step, he called me to take the next step. To walk in the Spirit, to trust him every step of the way. And so, when I'm walking through some area of my life that's uncomfortable, I said, Lord, what are you teaching me through this? What do you want me to learn? Lord, how can I minister to those around me right where I am? And, For some, it it might have been the, I thought, maybe it's the students that I'm teaching instead of being in full-time ministry. Maybe it's my neighbor who I'm talking to. We don't know why God has us go through some area, but if you're like me, you, you hate confrontation. You hate to just hit things head on you'd you'd like to just sort of skirt the issue but sometimes you just got to face it head on and say okay God um, give me the words to say give me what what how to respond and let's walk with you and if Hubert can follow me with my notes that'd be great (laughs) I mean I have no idea where I'm at right now so thanks for finding me Um. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria, and he came to the city, and he sat by the well, Jacob's well. He sat by Jacob's well. This is a few thousand, uh, a thousand years. I, I didn't do the math, but quite a while when Jacob dug this well. Jesus is sitting by it. And I want to pause right here. I'm not going to read all that, but... Um, Jacob had left a heritage for him and his descendants to enjoy fresh water. Think about that. Back, and this is Jacob who stole his brother's birthright. All right. But he had these wells dug around the area and people, a thousand years later, were enjoying the fresh water that his Men dug. I want to ask you this question about the heritage that we leave what are we leaving for our descendants to find what are we leaving for our family are we leading them to drink fresh water are we leaving something lasting for them something eternal or are we leaving them thirsty I, I want to do for my family spiritually. Some people think if we set them up financially we're doing the best thing. No, I think we first establish their spiritual life. Because I mean, the economy could be wiped out tomorrow. I'm not a doomsayer, but I, uh, being a history teacher I, I always look at World War II and the just the turmoil in the nation. Before World War II, you had the Great Depression, and things were just bad all over, all over the world. People were hungry. There were soup lines. They were, I mean, they didn't have much. And in an instant, money was worth very little. So all that you can accumulate wasn't worth much at all. So what we leave Heritage-wise, spiritually is eternal. What those eternal things that we show is more important than any money you have in the bank. So leave a heritage. Step, have uh, something that a, a taste in their mouth for God that they love. And then Jesus was weary from his journey. And Jesus was actually taking the shortcut through Samaria because usually they walk around. It takes a little extra time, but here he sits down by the well, and he. This is what the most amazing thing is. It's about the sixth hour. It's almost it's noon, all right, twelve o'clock noon. Now, if, when they, they would draw water, the women would come out early in the morning because you need water in the morning. This lady came out in the middle of the day because I feel like she wanted to avoid all the talk because, remember, Jesus asked her. uh, He said, give me a drink. And she said, I think it's verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan? And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. How can you get living water? We know what Jesus it, it was rivers of living water inside, right? But she's still in the natural. But the thing is, he says to her a little bit later in verse uh, 16, go call your husband and come here. He's just setting her up. He knows this woman's life. Here's the the thing I want to point out. He's weary from his journey, but he had a divine appointment to meet this lady. Here's the thing about God she was just going about her normal routine, and God shows up. She was doing what was natural for her to go when nobody else was at the well to get water for her family, or for the man she was living with. I'm sure she had kids. And her whole life is flipped upside down because she had an encounter with the Almighty God, with Jesus Christ. We said, go call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And we know uh, the answer here. He says, you've said correctly, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with, number six, is not your husband. But look at this. She's had five. She's with number six. But here's Jesus, the perfect one, number seven who gave her what she had been longing for all her life, eternal water. See, we try to fill our lives with the things of this world. And we know six is a number for man and seven is a number for God, the perfect number. And here, Jesus is number seven in her life. Now, he wasn't going to marry her or anything like that. He was going to give her eternal life and they had this i'm not going to get into the argument back and forth you know where do we worship we worship on this mountain that i want to cut to the chase because she he told her uh, all basically read her mail and when she left him she went and told the whole community said, someone who I've never met knows everything about me. I wonder how many of those husbands those folks knew about. I, I, you know, we try to hide things from God. We try to keep them secret. But God, God knows them. And you know what's great about this? God loved her enough to go out of his way to minister to this lady. He loved her so much. He loves us so much. Sometimes we get in this uh, world where we don't think God loves us. We don't think God cares for us. We're going through this. We're going through that. No, he loves us so much. The Bible says in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Knowing the mistakes we would make, knowing the lives we would live, he still went to the cross. He still gave of himself and we think that how can god accept me i have all these things i'm sure if you were to to have had a revival there in samaria and this lady came people would have thought oh, why is she even here there's no hope for her i'm sure that there was there was talk this isn't even her husband jesus cut right through all that because he loved her and he's showing you and i it didn't It didn't make it right I'm not saying he just waved over her sin I'm saying he loved her in her sin he loved her right where she was she didn't have to get cleaned up to come to Jesus he came to her we didn't have to get cleaned up for him to come to the earth to die for us he came because we needed cleaned up because we needed him he came so Jesus asked for water, but she wasn't from the right family. She wasn't living right. She wasn't even thinking right. He still came to her. Sometimes we go through some area of our life that we don't want to experience. Maybe a loss of a loved one. Loss of a job, financial hardship, physical hardship, an unclear future direction. And we ask God, take us out, you know, let this cup pass from me, Lord. I don't want it. I don't want to carry that. I've counseled with folks that they said, I don't know what to do. I've got to to ask for unemployment. I've never been unemployed. I want to work. And they they desire to work and there was just no job for them that, and they didn't want to, but I said, This is why we have these things. So you're you're taken care of. But many times we we gloss over those or we we try to avoid those situations when God wants to teach us in the middle of them. Second Corinthians twelve, seven. Even because the extraordinary character the revelations, therefore, so that I would not become ignorant, uh, um, er, ignorant, so that I would not become arrogant, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me. This is Paul talking. So that I would uh, not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is enough. For you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Paul had this thorn in the flesh, and we don't know exactly. Some say it was a physical ailment, some say it was some person that was just constantly on his case while he's trying to minister. I'll let the scholars deal with that one. But I will say this. He said, I prayed to the Lord three times and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. What that tells me is God knows our circumstances and he will help us walk through them. Sometimes he calms a storm. Sometimes he guides us through the storm. Sometimes we... Face it head on, and he's right there with us. We're holding his hand like Peter was walking on the water, and we look and see the waves, and we sink under, and he pulls us out. Other times he'll say, Peace be still, and we're walking on smooth water. I don't know what it is for you, or for me, or what circumstances lie ahead. But the Bible says he will never leave us nor nor forsake us. In other words, when we face these difficulties and trials, let's pray, Lord, remove them. But if they're not removed, okay, Lord, teach me through them. Help me be a light for you in the midst of this difficulty and this trial. If you look at your neighbors and those around you, maybe your co-workers, people you know, they face horrible difficulties. And if they don't know Jesus, I don't know how they make it through. Because when my family faces them, we pray. We go to God and we say, Lord, help us. Many of them, they they don't have someone to call on. They don't have someone like God. They don't know him. They might try, but that's where you and I step in and put our arms around them and and show them Jesus' love. Show them that if you walk with him, it doesn't mean the way is going to be easy all the time. It just means he's going to be with us through every step. So sometimes we go through some area of our life we don't want to. Sometimes We're just worn out and we're tired. What is your attitude like when you're mentally or physically tired? Now, this one, this point stepped on my toes quite a bit because when I'm tired, you know, people, when they're hungry, they get hangry. All right, when I'm tired, I get tangry. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, you, You just, you're there's no buffer there (laughs) the tolerance is lower so things get on on your nerves a little quicker now going back to my teaching days i look back at times when i lost it in front of the kids not when i say lost it it wasn't horrible like some of these you see in the newspaper okay (laughs) it wasn't that bad but uh you just you know you've I've had it up. Have you done this with your kids? I've had it up to here. If I was taller, it'd be even more. You know, um, we just get to that ir- irritation point, and it just any the the least little thing, and it might be for me. It was something bad would happen uh, at work or something on the way home, and I'd be okay till I got home, and then one of the family members did something, and I just. Woo, and they're like, what did I do? <laughs> uh, we're, we're quick to do that. I don't think Jesus was immune to being tired, but he knew how to take care of those around him. You ever think about uh, Billy Graham? I think about Billy Graham's neighbors. When he was tired and weary and came home from a big revival that he did, And they needed help or they needed somebody to witness to. I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine he would witness to them and help them because that's just the type of man we're pretty sure he was. That no matter where we are, what we're going through, what we're facing, there's still an opportunity to minister to those around us. Let me get to my last point. What are we going to be known for? What legacy are we going to leave? And I want to read a few epitaphs I've written from people in the Bible. All right? epitaph is what's written on the tombstone after you're gone. The older I get, the more I think about those things. Um, Enoch walked with God and was not. That's a pretty good testimony. I... I've said this, I don't know, it's probably in my notes a little later, but I wish I was more of a witness in high school. My brother told me, my brother, uh, older brother, his senior year in high school, I was, I was going into the ninth grade, and he put his arm around me and said, I missed so many opportunities in high school to witness. Please don't pass those opportunities up, but I was scared to death. All right. And I I did, but it wasn't as I wasn't as fervent as I should have been. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, some people I I always look at David's perspective on this. Some people look at it from God's perspective that God loved David so much. I look at it from David. David was after God every step of his life. He wanted God. He wanted to please God. He wanted to go after God. That's that's where I take that. Queen Esther was chosen for such a time as this. Daniel was a praying man. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Oh, to be known <laughs> to be known as somebody that weeped all the time. Uh, he's a crier. We we had a few of those kids in kindergarten when they would come in, but here's here's one. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> uh, I think I'd rather be known as Goliath but he was a bad guy uh, you yeah, had the woman with the issue of blood this woman at the well what, what a moniker for her the woman at the well it could have been the woman with five husbands and living with another man it could have been uh, the woman from Samaria but no it's the woman at the well because her life changed at that well where Jesus gave her living water, here's another one blind Bartimaeus we know him as blind Bartimaeus, but he's seeing God Jesus healed him and he was able why why wouldn't it be uh, return of sight blind or, you know formerly blind Bartimaeus uh, doubting Thomas oh my how many of us can? Put that under, you know, yeah, there are times I really doubt it. I wondered how, uh, my, my thing was always, God, how can you fix this? How can you possibly get anything good from this situation? But every time, God can. The enemy will tell you there's no way. When the enemy is speaking that way, you know there is a way. The Bible, a song says, God will make a way where there seems. No other way. We sing a song, he turns graves into gardens. He turns seas into highways. Turns turns bones into armies. And two more, or three more. Ichabod. Oh, I don't think anybody has ever been named Ichabod since this, but the glory of the Lord has departed. Paul. To me, he's the greatest missionary that ever lived. The greatest missionary. Everywhere he went was his mission field. The last one, John, in his own gospel, he says, he doesn't even refer it to him as himself, but he said he would say things like, the disciple Jesus loved, the beloved disciple of Christ. I think we could all put our name Right there, he loves us. He cares for us. He loves you. He wants to see you through. He wants to see you through whatever area of your life that you're facing today. And if Jesus would take time to sit with a Samaritan woman who wasn't living right, to share with her eternity, how much more does he want to share that with you and I and with those that we come in contact with? with those that he wants us to minister to. There's so many people out there thirsty, and they don't know what they're thirsty for. You and I are here to give them the drink of living water.